G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And so a special welcome to Mark Brown, who's the Australian Christian Lobby State Director for Tasmania. Hello, Mark. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's good to be here. Mark, in Tasmania, there's a significant issue that's come to light over the weekend and what is likely to be something we'll monitor along closely and these things don't always sort themselves out quickly, but there's a new anti-discrimination complaint that's going to test the limits of free speech and religious expression in Australia. Uh, Outline for us what's been unfolding in Tasmania over the weekend. Sure, thanks, Neil. Well, there was an article in The Australian over the weekend that highlighted a similar instance to uh, His Grace, the Archbishop of Hobart, the case that he had um, basically using the same legislation where, uh, if you remember, there was a booklet that was put out, uh, Don't Mess With Marriage, and somebody got offended by that, and His Grace was taken before the Anti-Discrimination Commission. And pretty much we've got the same thing happening again, this time, it is uh, a couple of uh, Presbyterian, uh, one's a minister, another one is a, a Presbyterian um, street evangelist, and the same legislation which um, makes it an offence to offend or humiliate or insult uh, somebody else in a protected group, um, they, yeah, they have fallen foul of the law. The, the Anti-Discrimination Commissioner has looked at the claim um, that... Yeah, both of these um, men in their blogs or obviously the street preacher and his preaching have overstepped a mark and offended somebody. Uh, that person's made the claim and the claim has um, has said by the commissioner that there's, there's weight in there and therefore there's going to have to be um, conciliation. So it's really a repeat of what we'd seen with Archbishop Julian Porteous, um I think it was 18 months ago. You know, let me compliment Presbyterians. Uh, When Presbyterians uh, hold tight to something uh, with a level of dogmatism, uh, holding tight to a uh, understanding of belief between that uh, that a marriage is between a man and a woman, uh, Presbyterians they don't let go of that. And what we've got here is two preachers. uh, One of those uh, in issues dealing with street evangelism, but the other one. Uh, the pastor, Campbell Markham, there's, uh, there's some issues there that date back to like 2011, some, some online blogs that he's written that someone's taken uh, some That's sort right. of uh, concern about. Uh, the old, yeah. whole idea of online blogs that you might have written six years ago, uh, these things can be trawled through and uh, all sorts of evidence can be gathered against you. That's right, and I mean these uh, these particular issues are related, <coughs> excuse me, to homosexuality, and I think uh, that the street preacher also offending atheists. So it's it's going to be an interesting test case, and um, <coughs> obviously we need to be praying for these two men uh, because there's a, a lot of pressure on them, and obviously there is a, a spiritual element to to this case, uh, and again it has implications not only for Tasmania but 
really for the whole of Australia in terms of what we're allowed to say uh, publicly or online. And therefore, um, it's something that's going to once again test you know, this aspect of free speech and freedom of religion. Okay, so these two Christian believers, uh, two preachers, one of them is Campbell Markham, a street preacher, uh, and oh, sorry, no, no, Campbell no, Markham's—he's the pastor yeah. with the uh, with the online blogs. And David G, the street preacher, uh, his issue has to do with uh, something that you have in Hobart, uh, where is somewhere that people can go to uh, to actually, uh, you know, have a uh, an on an on the street discussion. What happens in Hobart uh, that he's uh, actually under this pressure about? Well, there's a there's a special place in Hobart where you can open air preach, which is wonderful, and. Uh, David G has been doing that for a number of years, and I think the, the complainant, as far as I understand it, um, he knows, and he's been preaching for four or five years on similar topics um, and has had interaction. But obviously something's happened, and there's been a line that's been stepped over, and, and therefore this complaint's been made. But we've always said that Tasmania's anti-discrimination laws have got the lowest bar in the country, um, I mean, making it an offence to offend somebody or insult them is no way going to help uh, there to be robust and open discussion, whether it's, you know, preaching in the street or an online blog or even, as His Grace the Archbishop, putting out a, uh, a written um, piece of information to those within the, the Catholic education, that's the case. So um, we've always said, and it's interesting that this aspect of free speech is actually before the upper house in Tasmania at the moment. When they re- reconvene in a couple of weeks, they'll be looking at this very issue as to how our anti-discrimination laws need to be amended to, to ensure that free speech isn't squashed. So, in a way, this case has come at an interesting time um, in light of that. Well, I was going to ask you about how the laws differ in Tasmania to uh, what you might compare with other states and and as you say, there's a lower bar in Tasmania for people to be offended. Uh, and as you look ahead and some weeks away from a debate over this very issue, is this a time when uh, people in Tasmania and even other Australians might be able to apply some level of uh, pressure to those uh, politicians who'll be in the debate? Is there uh, What sort of things are you, be, are you planning, Mark? Yes, well, I think the upper house, which has got 15 members, um, it's very tightly balanced in terms of um, those who are conservative and more those who are more progressive in their thinking and therefore it is an important time to be contacting them and saying you know even in light of this recent development and of course the archbishop's case um, we need to look at changing our laws to make sure that free speech isn't being suppressed so it is an important time and we will certainly be lobbying those uh, those MPs over the coming weeks to ensure they understand what's happened because um, as you say, very few people are aware of this case, um, having only raised, been raised in the last um, few days. Well, no doubt we'll be talking some more about that case over the coming times. Uh, there's been a lot of things that have been happening over the weekend. Let's touch on a few more of those. Uh, the Labor Party conference in Townsville, uh, promise of a referendum for an Australian republic. Uh, what were your thoughts on some of the things that came out of that conference, Mark? Yes, well, that's an interesting one. Um, I suppose from our point of view, some of the more concerning ones are relating to uh, the motion to decriminalise abortion and support euthanasia, which, as far as I understand, are binding motions in terms of ALP members who may uh, not support that motion. They 
they will be put, have pressure put on them to vote in that way. And, and certainly, as far as I understand, most um, issues to do with life and death have generally been um, issues that have a conscience vote uh, option attached to them. But it doesn't appear that's the case uh, in these two motions. And and in talking to that, I mean, in Tasmania, you're probably aware, only a few months ago we voted on euthanasia. Uh, it was decidedly defeated, uh, 16 to 8. But of the 16, there were three ALP uh, MPs who did not support the euthanasia bill. And at a recent uh, state conference, they were yeah, basically lambasted for not supporting uh, Labor Party policy in terms of the motion. And so a similar scenario seems to be um, painted in Queensland over the weekend, that if there was ever a euthanasia bill in, in the Queensland Parliament and some of the ALP members said, no, I don't want to support that, then they could find themselves in very hot water, which is a real concern in terms of freedom of conscience um, and freedom of religion. If some of those people may have a, you know, a religious reason why they're opposing euthanasia or abortion. Another one will be following along what happens in Queensland, of course, based on uh, what is going on in Victoria right now. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Sydney terror raids overnight. It is a reminder, isn't it, that uh, the threat of terrorism is real. Uh, your thoughts on uh, on those raids that have gone on overnight? Yeah, well, Neil, I suppose it just gives assurance in a sense that you know that the authorities are aware and, and are obviously keeping an eye on some of these um, circles because it, from what I read, these, these people who have been arrested weren't actually even on a, a, a list of people of concern. So um, I just think, yeah, thank God that we're in a democracy, I suppose, that have, has these mechanisms in place. Um, but again, you know, at an individual level, it certainly makes us want to make sure our lives are right with, with the Lord. And, and um, who knows, you know, those things um, can happen, as, as we've seen in the States and even in our own backyard, but obviously not on a, a major scale. But certainly the scale of that one, if it had been a plane, um, that would have been very, very serious. And a reminder not to be complacent about uh, those things that we are being led into by uh, federal authorities when it comes to uh, the approach that we have, uh, the need to be cautious about the the, the potential threat of terrorism. Uh, another point, another Liberal MP, uh, Trevor Evans, backing the vote for same-sex marriage to be resolved by the federal parliament. Uh, your thoughts on uh, this extra pressure and, uh, you know, is it likely to have any sort of influence on the uh, the coalition and their uh, stance and their rigid stance to hold to the plebiscite policy? What are your thoughts? Well, we would we would hope not, Neil. I mean, next week's going to be an interesting week in the party room, the Liberal Federal Liberal Party, because obviously this is going to likely be a topic of debate. And we, of course, would like to see the government hold to their promise of a plebiscite, a people's vote, even though the Senate has um, voted that down. That doesn't mean that they, you know they can't try that again and work with some of the crossbench. That's that's really our. Uh, desire to have the, the people of Australia decide, considering there's been 17, 18 plus attempts um, to redefine marriage. We believe that something is critical and, and is important really needs to be decided um, with a mechanism where the people have the, the decision. 
Uh, let's come back to uh, this issue of euthanasia. And because it is uh, sort of a separate issue, but it's not, it's all connected. Uh, sometimes there's a criticism of church leaders in Australia because their voice is not being uh, heard in the public arena. But there is a group of high-profile Victorian church leaders who've signed a joint letter opposing plans to introduce assisted dying legislation for debate in Victoria. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on these church leaders? What can you tell us about uh, what's been going on with church leaders and their uh, opposition to things like uh, the assisted dying legislation? Well, I think it's it's wonderful, Neil, when um, a group of church leaders get together and, and make it very clear publicly what their stand is. Um, obviously, there are lots of reasons why people oppose euthanasia, and some of them are clearly from a religious um, viewpoint. Um, but there's there's plenty of other good arguments that come from a secular point of view as to why uh, euthanasia, allowing euthanasia was a bad idea for our community. And I know in Tasmania, when we had our debates, some of the local heads of churches got together and ran ads in the local newspapers stating very clearly their concerns about um, the proposed bill. And um, as I said, two to one, it was voted down. And it's really important that our elected representatives know what the constituents that they represent feel about these issues. And, and so important that church leaders are leading um, from the front in terms of getting out there publicly. So I would applaud them and I would encourage um, everybody who's listening and particularly those in Victoria to make their views known to their local members who uh, are going to be likely to be voting on this later in the year. And one more just quickly to cover. Time is running out and so many issues to talk about. Uh, there's a couple of US experts whose research was relied upon by an ABC 730 television report uh, claiming that sporadic Christian churchgoers are the worst wife beaters. Well, these two prominent uh, theological uh, professors uh, have said that they have been misrepresented and the real message is that regular church attenders actually discourages domestic violence. Uh, have you been following along that one, Mark? Yeah, I have. It is a little bit confusing, even reading the actual original research. Um, so it appears that there is an inverse, inversely proportional relationship. The more you go to church, the less you are likely to be involved in domestic abuse, which is what you'd expect, and that's <laughs> that's wonderful. But for those who go most sporadically to church, um, there does seem to be a higher uh, incidence of domestic abuse. Now, when I read the original article, I assumed that they were the worst um, in terms of those who do go to church, but the way it was portrayed was that they were, they were even worse than the rest of the community. Now, it, to be honest, it's all a bit confusing, <laughs> um, but I think you know the research out of America, and I think it was a study in New Zealand, that does back the fact that you know the more committed you are in your faith, the less likely you are to um, abuse those within your family. And I would certainly hope that that would be the case. I mean, that's that's what the gospel is all about, is, is having Christ-like leadership and Christ-like um, government in, you know, in the home. So that makes a lot of sense. 
Well, the bottom line is there, uh, the more and more evidence that now comes to light uh, shows very clearly, very definitely, uh, that churches have been misrepresented by that article. And we'll have another segment a little later this week dealing some more with domestic violence and uh, and uh, taking the lid off uh, some of the other uh, falsities that are around right now. So uh, I'll look forward to that a uh, little later on this week. Mark Brown, uh, thanks so much for your insights today and for giving us some Christian commentary on some of the issues that are shaping the political agenda this week. Mark Brown is the Australian Christian Lobby State Director for Tasmania. Mark, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. A pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.